Game on Wisconsin is brought to you by Artec Ventures. The goal at Artec Ventures is to collaborate closely with founders throughout all the investment and fundraising stages, turning their visions into successful companies. Since 2020, Artec Ventures has helped turn great ideas into profitable businesses that make an impact on industries, communities, and beyond. Visit artecventures.com for more info. <laughs> News dump. News dump, yay! News dump. I mean, that's kind of a loaded question. It's a grand fire! It's the final dump, presented by Game On Wisconsin. Welcome to the week 17 edition of the final dump presented by game on Wisconsin. Welcome to the show, everybody. Brendan Dorzinski and Matt Fralick here with you a ton to get to as we get ready for Packers versus Vikings episode two of the season this time at Lambeau Field. It is going to be one of the coldest games in the modern history of the NFL, the coldest game, at least it's forecasted to be in the history of the Packers Vikings rivalry. We know how special those cold games are at Lambeau Field, Matt, and oh man, there's a lot to get to this week. COVID obviously is going to lead things off here because it's going to play a major role on all three phases of the game. Some players may be returning at a surprisingly fast pace to practice after some injuries earlier this season. We're going to talk a little Matt LaFleur and the history he is making before we get to this game against the Vikings as well. It is exciting as all get out though, and I don't know if you saw this, that there's a chance the Packers and the Chiefs, and I'll tell you why this is significant in a second, could repeat as the number one seeds. There's a chance both could clinch as the number one seeds with certain outcomes this week, wins and losses by a couple other teams. Do you know the last time that the number one seeds in each conference repeated as number one seeds was 1982 and 83? Damn. It has been nearly 40 years since that happened. And there's a chance the Packers could be a part of it this week. And it's Vikings week. I mean, what beats rivalry week this late in the season? Yeah, I'm glad. First of all, I'm glad that you mentioned the significance because I wasn't sure what that was going to be. I thought it was going to be like when they repeated and I would have guessed like 2002, like Patriots and someone, uh, you know, other team. And that's crazy. 1982. I would not have guessed that. It just doesn't. I mean, I guess the the continuity in the NFL, and I guess tough to always repeat at that number one seed, even get back to the playoffs sometimes after you get knocked off. Because um, we know that like uh, that Super Bowl hangover with the loss is huge too. So good stat though for me. That's that's legit. Yeah, it is fascinating. And again, huge opportunity for the Packers this mm -hmm. weekend against the Vikings. Packers get the number one seed with a pair of wins, no matter what. The old doesn't quite make sense, but every sports fan knows what it means. Control your own destiny situation for the Packers. And hey, they win this weekend. The Cowboys maybe slip up against the Cardinals. They can lock up that number one seed with a whole week to go. But let's not put the cart before the horse here. We've got a ton to get to leading up to this game. And let's start things off with the COVID list. I know we all hate that this is still an issue, but it is ever present and it is going to play a major role in this game coming up on Sunday, or at least it could play a major role. Let's get to the good stuff first. Okay. The positive mm -hmm. developments, MVS back off the COVID list. That is fantastic. We have talked so much at length this season, Matt, about how much he changes what this offense can do and what the ceiling is for this offense on the defensive side. Kevin King and Shamar Jean Charles, but most importantly, Kevin King back. So some much needed depth in that secondary. Those are the two biggest returns from the COVID list in my eyes this week. Then you have the downside, which is your punter, Corey Bohorquez. He goes on the COVID list. 
Then you've got most of your depth, Heflin and company on the defensive line. They go on the COVID list, him specifically, not great to lose defensive line depth when you're going up against the team with one of the best running backs in the NFL. I think it's entirely fair to put Dalvin Cook in that category. So there's some good, but also some major bad. So I will ask you right off the top then, what's the biggest news with the COVID list this week? Is it going to be the special team situation with your punter? Is it losing depth on the defensive line? Or is it the good parts in getting back MVS and Kevin King? And there's a couple other ones too. I mean, you know, Kinsley Kiki's on there, MVS, or excuse me, Mercedes Lewis, Oren Burks. To pay like Oren Burks and to pay are like guys that have been getting reps on the outside just because of lack of depth. But I don't want to be a dark cloud or you know a, a different strain coming in here. But like MVS, super solid to have back. Like that's that's awesome. Kevin King coming back, great. You know, unfortunately with Kevin King more than MVS, it's like only a matter of time till he gets injured again. Unfortunately, or just is isn't active. Um, and he hasn't been that all missed with Razul Douglas balling the hell out. So. I think, to be honest, like I was thinking about this before the show and going back through, and I've mentioned it a couple times uh, throughout the weeks and even on Pack-A-Day, the Packers haven't been significantly impacted by COVID to this point. Most of the players over the last few weeks, it's been gradual. They had a couple, obviously, a few weeks ago that started and now, you know, more um, tough to isolate. or you, You're more in a confined area now in Wisconsin or in the Midwest. The holidays are here. It's just the flu season and cold season and COVID season is just in full swing at this point. So it's tough to really control it the way they have, but they've done a damn good job. Like there, it hasn't been a huge outbreak and you could even make the case that it is, it is in an uptick nationally because it is, and the Packers are being affected by that, but they haven't really missed any big names. And the, I guess the first one I'm going to make the, I'm going to put a foot in the sand and say, but is the first one because like he's an irreplaceable guy. Like, has there been more talented dudes more than likely? Yeah. Like MVS is probably more talented. Kevin King on his best days, definitely probably more talented, but to lose the only player you have on the roster that can take a long snap and punt the ball 40 to 60 yards. And who's had frankly, a pretty damn good year. That's a huge blow. And that was finally, I think on Tuesday or Wednesday, when it came out that he, he had COVID, I'm like, son of a bitch, like that, what are they going to do now? Like, and I, I've been scratching my head for a few days and, I personally feel like we haven't had enough discussion of J.K. Scott. I thought for some reason he was on a roster. I think he had a workout on Monday or Tuesday in Jacksonville. Ryan Winslow, probably not the best option, but if he's available and not doing too much, he could he could punt the ball. I think, unfortunately, it's, you know, it's, it's a great shot in the arm to have MVS back and Kevin King back, but all these other names are decimating. And that, that front seven, again, just being more impacted and Say what you will about those guys I mentioned right off the rip, like Kiki and Oren Burks, but they've been contributors ever since Whitney Merciless has gone down, ever since Desiree Smith's gone down. You know, it's so it's it's unfortunate, but you know, it's the reality of the NFL, and they're not the only team going through it, as we all know. Yeah, I think to me, I'm with you. The biggest name on this list is Bohorquez. You mentioned Big Dog, and I think that one's significant too because he does play an important role on the offense, specifically his blocking role. And he's mm-hmm. become a more targeted pass catcher in recent weeks, too. Not that he's prime Jimmy Graham or you know Antonio Gates or something, but he's actually seeing a few more targets. He 
had he caught a pass that he couldn't hang on to on Christmas Day against the Browns, he would have started the game with three catches for three yards and a touchdown. He couldn't hold <laughs> on to that ball in the end zone. So he's not getting a ton of yardage necessarily. We know he's not a deep threat, but he's been involved, and we know the rapport he has with Aaron Rodgers as well. So that's a significant one to not have. Now, could he be back? It's possible because of the new protocols where you only have to isolate for five days if you don't have symptoms, whether you're vaccinated or unvaccinated, and whether or not that's the right thing to do is so far above my pay grade. I don't know. At this point, if you can play, awesome. I don't really care about the other details around it at this point. So for Bohorquez, I think based on when he went on the COVID list, there's not a chance he's going to be back. Maybe I'm wrong about that. I think these are so confusing because I don't know. Two weeks ago, there was a situation where guys were grandfathered into the mm -hmm. old protocols and guys were then in the new protocols. Now this, well, everybody applies to the new protocols. It's a lot to follow, and I think I do a pretty good job of it. I think we both do, but it's just so hard to keep up with all of this. So I don't expect Bohorquez to be playing in this game. That's the biggest name in general. I think if you want to talk positives, I'm almost willing to say that getting Kevin King back is even bigger than getting MVS back just because Rodgers has been playing so well that even if you didn't have MVS for another game, I think he would still be just fine. But having him out there, we know the kind of positives he can bring. Kevin King, though, depth to a defense that is just dying to have any sort of depth. I mean, it is a desperate DEFCON 1 kind of situation all across the defense. So getting anybody back at any position is obviously huge. So that's why I think the best positive is getting King back. But I don't think there's any denying that for Bohorquez, while he hasn't been as stellar over the last couple of weeks as he was for the first half of the season when he was truly fantastic. I mean, there were all those pieces. I know Rob Domovsky at ESPN, he wrote a piece about how Bohorquez was getting close to the best punting average in Packers history. I think Ryan Wood at the Press Gazette was on that as well. I mean, he was doing phenomenal. He hasn't been quite as excellent, but he's also punting in some really cold temperatures at Lambeau Field. That's just kind of the nature of the beast. And Matt LaFleur teased that there's a contingency plan, but he's not going to say who it is. I can't even imagine. I know it's been all over Twitter joking that it's going to be Kurt Benkert. Does <laughs> Kurt know how to punt? Is that something that I missed? Or is that just people joking because we all love Kurt Benkert and want to see him on the field? I don't know. I mean, is Justin Vogel available? Is he still in town? Jacob Shum, maybe he's around. Oh. Tim Mastay, we're going to call up the old, you know, the, the Ginger King, Tim Mastay, and see if he can still kick. I saw someone mention BJ Sander. Hell yeah. I, I mean, anyone. Bring in anybody who can kick the ball and it'll be fine. Or the other contingency is just never punt, which is maybe more fun than it is practical. So I don't know what the situation is going to be with Bohorquez. And I think, Matt, the thing that's extra concerning about that. It's not like you can say, hey, bring in anyone who can punt it 35 yards and then the coverage team will take care of the rest. I don't trust this coverage team to do much of anything. So that's where, to me, you've got the biggest scare is that you can have a contingency plan, but even with a good punter, the coverage is terrible. I don't know what it's going to look like with a backup, third string, fourth string, break glass in case of emergency situation. He did a hell of a job right off some names. I'll give you another one. John Ryan, current kicker for the Saskatchewan yeah. Rough Riders. You're, you're That's big right, my Rough Riders. Big Rough Riders guy. So like, but he's on, a, he's on a roster, right? I mean, he's up in the CFL, so I don't know what the hell they're going to do. And you nailed it there, and I didn't kind of think about that this week. Yeah, if you get a guy that can even kick it 35, 40 yards, great, but he's getting no favors with the other 10 guys out there covering. And even more so, 
the holding on the extra points. Like it's been Great a point. real, real roller coaster since Hunter Bradley left, and it's just been an absolute cluster for the last month and a half. It seems like it's getting ironed out, but damn, man, like to get another holder in there, like the the punter's got to do a hell of a lot of stuff. So I to be like contingency plan is great and it sounds good but like they gotta be behind closed doors really kind of wondering what the hell contingency plan means like what is plan a like what the hell are we actually gonna do like kurt binkert versatile dude i think he's a fun another fork folklore guy that the packers fans get to have he's huge personality just from you know the way he interacts on social media to his twitch following to uh some of the content he puts out so it's it's great to have him but like dude i don't think you're the punting kurt like i it would be it would be funny to see but like i don't really want to have humor in the special teams it's it's basically probably given me a couple gray hairs to start maybe drink a little bit more more than likely on a couple games so i i don't need that this weekend so i i I think you would be it would be kind of stupid to put out kirk out there it's funny to talk about and joke about but come 7 10 uh central standard time on sunday night like if we still don't know who the punter is like probably going to be Kurt or they're just not going to punt ever, which is also a possibility, but I don't see how that would be an option. I think they're going to have to at least roll off the foot once in a while there. So I don't know what the hell this contingency plan means. Interesting that Lafleur has been keeping it close to the chest, but you got to kind of respect it because I'm sure they're trying to scramble and figure out what the hell they can do at this point. I do not recall, and pro football reference backs me up on this, Aaron Rodgers ever punting, you know, the old quarterback pooch punt. Maybe that's the contingency yeah. can 12 kick, but he's got the bad toe. Mm-hmm. So I can't even imagine that the quarterback pooch kick is even in the playbook here. I mean, yep. it's you said it right on the, you know, hit the nail right on the head. It's been a cluster and it's only, I would think going to get worse unless you're truly going to go Kevin Kelly, Pulaski Academy, high school football. We're never going to kick. We're never going to punt. We're going to go for it every time. Maybe, maybe that works. I don't know. You pull that out against the Vikings and try to catch him by surprise. That's maybe your best option there. But as we're on the topic of special teams, well, that's going to be a mess with the holding. That's a really great point. The actual kicking of the ball. Well, that's an interesting situation. We've got to talk about the return game as well, because one other name to throw out there who's on the COVID list this week is Amari Rogers. And while you want to talk about getting gray hairs, I think Amari has done that to pretty much everyone with his punt returning game this season. Although I want to give credit where it's due. I think he has been a little bit better, a smidge better at the return game over the last couple of weeks, which the bar is essentially on the floor. So if you can get anything above that, sure, you're going to get credit for it. But he's on the COVID list as well. Now, the Packers did add David Moore, a former Seahawks receiver, to the practice squad. I would not be surprised if he's elevated for game day just to be someone competent back there to return kickoffs or simply put your arms out and signal, I'm not going to return this kickoff, or to fair catch a punt because you still don't have Cobb, and we'll get to Cobby here in a little bit. You don't really have many other options. You don't want to put Devontae back there, God forbid. I know he joked about that in his presser a couple weeks ago, but you don't want to get to that stage. So maybe David Moore's the situation. I don't know what's up with Tyler Irvin. I know he was a guy who endeared himself to Packers fans a couple years ago when the punting return situation was somehow even worse than it is now. And he came in, it all of a sudden wasn't the worst of all time and everybody fell in love with him. I don't know if, he's done playing if he burned a bridge with green bay if lafleur just wants someone else out there i don't know i don't know what the situation is i would have thought 
go get him. He's out there. He's available. You might as well try. He knows the team. He he knows Mo Drayton. Drayton was an assistant previously under Menenga. So I would have done that. Maybe David Moore is the option, but that's another situation on an already bad special teams unit. You've got to, in a pinch, find someone who's going to fill an extremely crucial role. And that's not a spot you want to be in at this juncture of the season. Not at all. And I saw Tyler Irvin come across my timeline um, earlier in the week. Uh, hasn't been on a team since the Packers cut him a couple years ago. And they, I think they, what they re-signed him and then put him on injury reserve um, at the end of that, what would it be that 2019 season. So injury, and they probably know that maybe he's not going to check out regardless, but for everything that I can see, he hasn't even but been brought in from, you know, I'm sure he's been brought in for a, um, a tryout at some point since that season, but I'm surprised he didn't get a look at this point. David Moore's a player. Um, and I missed that. And I'm glad you sent that to me in our, in our notes here. I I've always been a fan of David Moore, to be honest. And people are probably like, who the hell's David Moore, but those Seahawks teams, he was a contributor, nothing to write home about, but he, he was decent for them. He, I think his best season was like 35 catches, 400 yards. He went under the Broncos. Then I think he spent some time previously even on the Panthers and on the, the Raiders. So um, but his return, I mean, he's not going to contribute in the receiving game. I mean, there'd have to be, you know, talk about an outbreak. There'd have to be a huge outbreak within that receiving room for him to have to get on the field and be in the active receiving rotation. But you look at his returns, like he said, a couple over the course of his year, not many. I mean, to be honest, it's more, he's more of a punt return guy. He's got 22 all time. That was with the Seahawks in the 2019 and 2020 season. So maybe he can contribute that way. And you you mentioned Amari Rodgers, too. And I and I was super critical of him, just like everyone else was. But you got to remember, the guy's a rookie. His skill set in college, he could return kicks and punts. But like at the end of the day, that's not what his forte was. That's not what he was being groomed for in that Clemson offense. And that Clemson, it, he was just one of those, just like in college, they have a put your most athletic guy back there, know who the hell it is, and let him do some magic. And it's a different game in the NFL. It's a lot faster. It's tougher. There's the punting. I mean, we talk about that. You know, McAfee talks about that all the time during the weeks. If you listen to the show, just different. Uh, the punts you can do where it's end over end or tort. You know, it's it's tough. And the, it, when you got guys that have been doing this and veterans um, that are twice Amari Rogers' age, it's, it's tough to field those punts. So I think it'll come around for Amari. Um, and if the only thing we have to kind of complain about this year is a couple of muff punts, one game where it bounced off his face and another one where it just, you know, wasn't all that great either and not getting on the on the field when it comes with the offense that's not really his fault because there's other guys in front of him in that receiving room so David Moore's a guy to look out for I think he if he's activated for uh Sunday he's obviously going to be back there to return punts or just field punts at this point I don't remember all the details of it but I do have a vivid memory of David Moore making a crazy touchdown catch a couple years ago for maybe two years ago for the Seahawks it was Mm -hmm. sports center number one play of the day I mean it was crazy and I thought wow I can't believe this guy doesn't get more targets and Mm -hmm. obviously he's without a job two years later so I think that was probably just a one-hit wonder kind of thing. But hey, if he can recreate some of that magic or if he can just catch a punt without muffing it, I'm going to call that a win for this weekend. Let's get to the rest of the injury report here, by the way, Matt, or at least the rest of what happened at practice this week. Pretty much same old, same old with a couple of names. David Bakhtiari, once again, a DNP at practice. Aaron Jones limited. Dominique Daphne. Jair Alexander also limited this week. That's been good. He was officially activated and is back at practice and back on the injury report. So that is a good thing. Don't expect Jair to play this weekend against the Vikings. That would be nice against Justin Jefferson, although no Adam Thielen the rest of the way. But I digress. Good to have him back at practice. But the big one that jumped out at me, and I think jumped out at everyone, at least on Packers Twitter, Randall Cobb, three weeks after core muscle surgery, was back at practice. And 
I don't know about you, but when I heard that it was going to be maybe the playoffs, that was going to be, hey, I'll I'll take that. That seems like a pretty good timeline to get him back for the most important games of the year. Third down weapon when you get to January. Awesome. Great. Well, he's back out at practice. And since he's on IR, they don't have him on the injury report. But that is, to me, hugely significant. And you throw in what his wife, Ada, put on her Instagram about all the different things. I mean, it sounded grotesque. And and Mm -hmm. I mean that in a way that kind of compliments Randall for coming back from this surgery. He couldn't roll out of bed on his own. He couldn't put on his socks on his own. And in three weeks, he's back. That seems incredibly fast and I'm excited for it, but take your time. You know, if you need to get all the way to the first round of the playoffs, whenever that is for the Packers wildcard round, divisional round, whenever take your time, Randall, because probably don't need him to beat the lions in week 18. If we're being completely serious, but good to see him back out there. Was that your biggest practice injury note of the week or did anything else really grab your attention? Yeah. I mean, cause we'd seen Jair moving around the last couple of weeks. So him being activated, wasn't all that big, but yeah, the fact that Randall was back was just wild, and it's just it just goes to show you just how these guys take care of their bodies. And even a guy that's like Randall Cobb, you know, a little bit you know, longer in the tooth at this point, he's no you know twenty five, twenty six year old dude. But the fact that he's able to battle back and like his wife mentioned, just not being able to get out of bed, put your socks on, like that's that's crazy that he wasn't even be able to almost walk and to come back. And I think it just shows the how he keeps his body right, and that's why he's still in the in the in the freaking league, right? I mean, he he's got a little bit of a, a pull from his buddy Aaron Rodgers to get him back, but at the end of the day, Cobby's been producing still, and so if he can come back and contribute come playoff time, that's huge. And they're gonna need all the bodies they can get come the playoffs because you never know what can happen right now with um with COVID and just injuries. So yeah, that was that was incredible. I didn't I didn't expect to hear that this week, um, but kind of a silver lining as this week's been kind of here and there with um injuries and more or less COVID. So yeah, amazing that he was even, you know, going from, like she said, a couple weeks ago to not be able to walk, to put socks on or even roll out of bed, probably had a tough time wrapping Christmas presents to be able to possibly get on the field for the playoffs. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. And you mentioned his production. He's played in 12 games this season. He's probably going to stop at 12 games. I can't imagine he plays. Well, he's certainly not going to play against Minnesota and I doubt he's going to play against Detroit either. So he ends his return season in green Bay regular season. Do expect him at this point to be back for the playoffs. 12 games, 28 catches, 375 yards, five touchdowns. That's his most touchdown catches. And granted, he's dealt with injuries off and on throughout the last half decade. That's his most touchdown catches since he had six back in 2015, the year when there was no Jordy Nelson and James Jones had to come back. And that was a very depleted wide receiver room. That is a massive win. I'm sure for him, and I know for him because he was posting about it all over social media, he was happy to be back with his best friend Aaron Rodgers and to be back in Green Bay where it all started. I know Rodgers was happy to have him back, and he produced, like you said. He's been a great addition, and I'm excited that he's at least able to get back on the field. And let's get to the specifics here. I pulled it up from Ada Cobb, what she put on her Instagram. Four weeks ago, he... Randall Cobb had surgery repairing three torn adductors and a torn rectus. I don't even know what that is. He couldn't walk, put socks on, or even roll out of bed on his own. I know it's just practice, but the fact he's out there today makes me so emotional and incredibly proud of all the unseen effort and dedication that it took to get back on that field. And again, that's from Randall Cobb's wife, Ada, posting on her Instagram. I don't even know what those injuries are. I, I've heard of an adductor. I don't actually know where it is. And I don't even know what a rectus is. That seems like something that was made up. That's like an erector set. I don't that even think I have sound one. Real. I don't even think I have one. 
that is truly incredible. And, and shout out to Cobb. He's just one of those guys that's so easy to root for. Great dude. Great Packer for so long. And I put this on Twitter. Get this dude a ring. Like, he's one of those guys. Every team, every good team has that guy who feel, I want this player to get a ring. I think Cobb and Big Dog fit like that. It crushed me that Julius Peppers never got a ring in one of those years when he was with Green Bay. Get this dude a ring. Get him a championship, and we can all go out of this happy. Real quick, Matt, I wanted to get to this. Before we get to the actual game against the Vikings and our prediction for this week, there's been a lot of chatter, obviously, around this time of year about postseason awards. Aaron Rodgers and his MVP odds, chief among them. I know Kyle Brandt over at Good Morning Football and NFL Network this week said, hey, you should vote for him because he's been the best player. Forget about the off-the-field stuff. And honestly, I'm inclined to agree. He's now the betting favorite to win the award again. But I wanted to ask you about Matt LaFleur and the fact that he does nothing but win. He has lost nine games in three seasons. He's about to have the record for the most wins, period, in a coach's first three seasons. And it'll be especially impressive if he doesn't need Week 18 to do it because then you can't say, yeah, well, they had the extra week. No, 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 mm-hmm. no. If you get that done by week 17, that is his record. You don't even have to throw in the extra caveat, which you can have a discussion whether you should throw in the caveat or not, but that's beside the point. He has done nothing but win, and this year, when you consider all of the injuries and missing players off and on due to COVID, you had to play that game in Arizona where you didn't have damn near any receivers. You missed a game with your quarterback who has also been in the news for many non-football reasons this season. I think he's got to be the favorite to win coach of the year. And I know it's often given to the coach whose team had low expectations and then they outperformed them. But I don't think there's any denying LaFleur is up there with anybody in the league probably over the last couple of seasons in terms of the coaching job he's done this year. And I know I'm biased because I follow this team. I support this team, but I can't look at anyone else in the league and think, yeah, this guy has a better resume for coach of the year than Matt LaFleur. I think he should win the award. I think, or I thought a few weeks ago that it was his award to lose. And frankly, I'll be disappointed if he doesn't get it. Cause I really do think he's earned that this season. I don't disagree, and I think the the biggest thing, though, is when you look at it, it's it's a couple things. One, you look at it, and Matt LaFleur inherited a hell of a team. Yeah, whether or not they're coming off, you know, just some some bad years with Mike McCarthy, and they get some great free agents, and all of a sudden it propels them back to being a top team, that's fine. He's part of an organization that's been historically great, um, so that's in his favor. And also, at the end of the day, like, the casual sports fan or the super, super, you know, crazed fanatic that watches every game whether it's nfl nba mlb etc etc watches all these bowl games going on like people like adversity right they want to see a guy like a frank Wright um having a a carson winks come in or a a zach taylor who's bringing the bangles all of a sudden with your boy joe burrow like people want to see brian flores right going from seven losses to seven in a row like it's just like people like to see the adversity and it's really easy to look at coaches like that and not to discredit any of those three guys that I mentioned because there's other dudes along the way that have probably had the same amount of adversity or more they they got their chance and made the most out of it but I think people just and fans alike just like to see a team that's down and being brought back from the depths and that would be the Bengals I mean that's that's the type of team that was really really bad last year and a lot of it had to do with Zach Taylor being a younger coach them still getting that offense figured out and obviously Burrow going out for the year but 
Lafleur's had a pretty damn good go, but I mean, he he gets kind of overlooked because he's he's been so consistent. He really had to not really go through much adversity. That's been real. A lot of it's been fabricated before he even got to call a single play for the Packers in his first year and everything else off the field that he's had to deal with, which has been with essentially one player. But I think Lafleur's been overlooked. But I think it's just a lot of people trying to make an argument for some of these. Bill Belichick's or Mike Vrabel's or all these other guys that are always up there at at the end of the day. Sean McVay is always in the top five. But I think right now I'm looking at Lafleur according to was this? I don't even know. I've seen different stats at this point. I think I saw him plus 300 the other day. This one says plus 175, but he's definitely the favorite. That's that's no question. So I it's tough to not bet on Matt Lafleur at this point. I'd put some money on there. It's not great odds. But I think, yeah, I mean, Matt LaFleur is definitely the coach of the year and rightfully deserves it, whether or not he's gone through adversity or not. He's had an incredible three years, and you don't you don't really consider those two years to put it in the vote for the 2021 campaign. But at the end of the day, he's carried that success and putting another great resume together. And it's just a flawed award in general, and we both touched on why. Like, the one that always stands out to me, even before he won the Super Bowl in Tampa Bay last year, Bruce Arians has more coach of the year awards than Bill Belichick. And Bruce <laughs> Arians is a good coach. He ain't Bill Belichick. Like Matt Nagy has a coach of the year award from 2018. And we all know who Matt Nagy is as a coach. So it's a flawed award. But if you are simply looking devoid of other context at who has done the best coaching job this season, it's Matt LaFleur. And I mm-hmm. think that's maybe not a runaway pick, but it's certainly clear that he's right up there. And I, I think better than everyone else. You know, you bring up Brian Flores, who I think is a good coach. I like Miami. I like Tua Tungavailoa. You can't have seven losses and seven wins without having seven losses in a row. I mean, that <laughs> should disqualify you from it, right? I just, I can't yeah. look at anyone else. Vrabel's team has fallen apart this year. I think, Honestly, I would put John Harbaugh in there because the fact that Baltimore, with all the injuries they've had and with all the issues they've had with Lamar Jackson this year, the fact that they're even in the hunt for a playoff spot Mm -hmm. is pretty damn impressive this season. But Belichick's team, they've fallen off. They lost their biggest game of the year. I think Sean McDermott's team has underperformed a great deal this year. Andy Reid, maybe he's done a good job the second half of the season, but the Chiefs were middling for a large portion of the season. They were three and four through seven weeks and were terrible turning the ball over. You want to go from week one and maybe for LaFleur, you start week two, but week one through the very end of the season, no one's done a better job than Matt LaFleur. And I think a great way to cement that before the votes are tallied up for the final time get a win over a division rival coming up this Sunday and put to bed any thoughts that someone else might come away with that number one seed, get a second straight number one seed, get another buy. And yeah, I think more people are for sure going to take notice at the last minute of what Matt LaFleur is doing. So let's get to that. Let's get to this game against the Vikings coming up on Sunday, Sunday night football. It is going to be a raucous albeit very cold environment in the frozen tundra at lambeau field what's the biggest matchup to watch and what's the final score going to be and i think the biggest matchup i want to say i really want to say it's justin jefferson because just what he did last week or last week um uh, when they played previously in november but like damn something about dalvin cook just in a game like this seems like he could really go off and kirk cousins is kirk cousins really damn hot during that stretch when uh, the Packers lost to the, the Vikings 
in U.S. Bank, but I'm I'm gonna st- I'm gonna go with Alvin Cook. I'm gonna kind of flip flop on myself there. I think Justin Jefferson's a hell of a player. I don't think he's gonna put the same type of stats that was with a healthy Adam Thielen. So you know, KJ Osgood's decent player. He's had a couple blunders the last couple weeks. I think he had one drop or maybe a tip pass for a pick, something like that last week. And they've and Thielen's on IR at this point, so they're they're gonna be missing him. But I'm gonna go with Dalvin Cook just because I think he can break a game open at any point. Saw that Thursday night game when he came back and with that shoulder, and he was kind of like a late addition, and he went absolutely bonkers versus the Steelers. So I'll go Dalvin Cook versus this um, the run defense for the Packers. It's been suspect. Uh, say what you want about it. Last week, I thought people are a little embellishing just because you kind of knew that the Browns are going to have to run the ball. They did run the ball, and a lot of that yardage at the end was from Nick Chubb with the Packers being a little bit more passive and just like the offense kind of set them up in a bad spot. But I think at the end of the day, um, the bugaboo that has been the the run defense of the Packers um, defense is still there. I don't think it's gone. And with a couple COVID injuries, like we mentioned, um, no Zadarius Smith yet at this point. I think it's you got to you got to go with Dalvin Cook because he, he's one of those special players in this league. He's on a shorthand that he can break a game open at any point. So watch for him. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And I don't really think you can make a super sound argument for anywhere else. I mean, I'm still confident that the offense is going to get things done. You go back to the last game that the Packers lost against the Vikings in Minneapolis. The offense was fine. They put up crazy totals in that game. Rodgers was out of his mind, especially in the second half. A little slow to start the game, but was tremendous in the second half. I think the offense is going to be just fine. It comes down to stopping Dalvin Cook. He's a really darn good player. They've got some decent depth behind Cook as well. Kirk Cousins is not the guy. We know that. Everybody knows that at this stage. They're going to rely on Dalvin Cook, as they should, because Dalvin Cook is that guy. I really do think he is that good. I've thought he's that good of a player since back in his college days at Florida State, and he's only continued to prove it in the NFL. You've got to stop him. A guy like Chris Barnes has to start playing better because he's been rough the last couple of weeks. You need Devondre Campbell, who's been good all year, to have one of his best games to get in the way, slow him down. If it's third and four, tackle him for a gain of three instead of giving up that extra yard. The defensive line looks like it's going to be thin this week. They've got to play as well as possible against an offensive line that is not especially good in Minnesota. So I'm right there with you. That's the biggest difference in this game. I'm going to issue a little open challenge too, though, to the secondary. Last time these two teams played, the Packers win if Green Bay gets any of the four waved off interceptions Mm -hmm. that it should have had. Cousins was not good in that game. He was throwing up terrible balls. The one interception was waved off due to a penalty. Three others at least were dropped, two of them egregiously. So any of those turn out the other way, the Packers win that game, especially the one for Savage at the very end of the contest. And I think Savage has struggled a bit in the last couple weeks. I don't think that's at all an unfair thing to say. You get a chance to get a takeaway in this game, take it. The Packers under Matt LaFleur, the stat is something like have only lost one game, maybe undefeated in games in which the Packers have multiple takeaways. And in games in which they have any takeaways, period, it is phenomenal during the LaFleur era because the offense continues to take advantage of it because the offense is led by Aaron Rodgers and generally a pretty good offensive line and pretty good offensive skill players. So the run defense is going to be the number one key. I think the secondary is going to have opportunities to put this game to bed, though, so I'm calling them out. Make big plays in this game. Take care of business. Intercept the ball when it hits you in the hands. I know the ball is going to be cold and hard this weekend, but uh, I'm going to trust that the secondary this time is able to bounce back and make a couple plays. I'm going to play right on the implied score for this week. Packers are favored by seven at Lambeau. 
It's 46 and a half for the total. I'm going to give you 27-20. I know that's the biggest annoying cop-out pick anyone could possibly make (laughs) right on the over-under and right on the spread. But I think 27-20 honestly sounds right. Dalvin Cook's going to have a decent day. I'm sure of it. Rodgers is going to cook. I'm not all that concerned about the offense, even in the cold. I think that score sounds about right. I think the Packers might have a close game, but be in control the whole way. And I think Green Bay then is one game, either a win or a Cowboys loss away from sealing up that number one seed. I like it. I like it. Oh, a couple of things. I want to, first of all, thank you for reminding me on those, those Kirk Cousins uh, awful throws. You look at the stat sheet, zero picks, but I now I remember as you bring that up, Savage should have had at least a pick and then, then that penalty. So good on you mentioning that. Number two, Aaron Jones didn't play in this game the last time they met. So hopefully him being back with the the combo of AJ Dillon and him, like this is the game you want to see, right? This is the game where it's cold as hell in Lambeau, Sunday night football. Everyone is watching this game and like, how do we stop this Packers team and just show them that you can run the ball 30 times and just pound it down their throat with Aaron Jones, get them out in the backfield. So I think that's important. And I believe if you're going with a score here, the Packers again last week didn't cover. So they were doing really, really hot. I think they were said we said 11 and three at some point throughout the year. Mentioned that a couple weeks ago. So they haven't covered again. I'm going to say they don't cover again. I'm going 23 17 Packers. So they just miss it by one point. So 23 17 Packers with the win. I think they got to split this. If they lose the Vikings again, that's going to be really, really disappointing, especially with the Vikings fans not making that trip across 29. It sounds like they just they don't want to venture and buy those tickets to come to Lambeau Field, which is just, you know, it's really unfortunate that you have a franchise that just kind of quits week 17. But it is what it is. So 23-17 Packers for me. You've got a chance still to make the postseason slim, but it's there. Mm-hmm. You're playing your arch rival and you won't make the trip. I can't believe it and the reason this came up and it's been talked about a bunch is because the vikings returned tickets from their allotment back to green bay okay fine bigger home field advantage for the packers we'll take it i i'm right there with you i cannot believe they couldn't even use up their own allotment i to me that is utterly ridiculous but we're excited for this game obviously rivalry week the vikings are personally my most hated team in the nfl because frankly they've been better than the bears for the majority of my lifetime and Uh, I take great pride in it. I know Vikings fans get fired up for this game as they should. It has been a good rivalry again for the last 25 plus years or so. We're looking forward to it. Follow Matt on Twitter throughout the weekend at Matt underscore FRA underscore. You can follow me as well at Brendan DZW. Matt, it is going to be an exciting weekend for the Packers and hopefully it is a weekend that gets a little momentum too behind one of the greatest Packers of all time. We had to get to this before the end of the show. Leroy Butler is a finalist for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And I said this on Twitter, and I'm going to say it again here. If you don't put him in this year, burn the whole damn thing down and just salt the earth. It is ridiculous. Leroy Butler, inarguably, is a better player than John Lynch was. He was a better player than Rod Woodson. He was a better player than Steve Atwood. You want to throw in a a Brian Dawkins, a Weapon X? And by the way, these are all good players. You can argue all Hall of Fame worthy. They're not better than Leroy Butler. It is beyond time. Put 36 in the Hall of Fame. It is ridiculous we've had to wait this long. I'm glad he's a finalist. But this is getting me fired up. I know every Packers fan gets fired up about this. And we had to close the show shouting out our guy, Leroy Butler. Put him in the Hall of Fame already. 
yeah, he deserves it. Um, I was never a huge advocate of Leroy Butler to get into the um, the Hall of Fame until because I thought it was kind of biased until I saw like the stats side by side. I think with actually the three guys you had mentioned, um, and at that point I was like, well, he's a surefire. And I think that was maybe the last time around, or even his first time getting in. And the fact that he hasn't gotten in yet is is crazy to me. Get thirty six in there. You you know we talked about regular season trophies or nominations, whatever, Coach of the Year, MVPs, Pro Bowl shit like that. That stuff kind of matters, not that, that much. Getting to the Hall of Fame is super important, especially when a guy like Leroy deserves it. So get him in at this point because he absolutely deserves it, 100%. Get the, get the campaign going like they did with, who was it, a couple years ago? Who am I forgetting? Idiots. Thank you. Jerry Kramer. Like that. That's the same type of thing they got to do. So um, get Leroy in. Get Leroy Butler in. Get a win against the Vikings. Make this a good weekend for the Green Bay Packers. For Matt Freilich, I'm Brendan Dorzinski. We will talk to you coming up next week as we preview Week 18, the first ever Week 18 in Packers and NFL history. Until then, you've been listening to The Final Dump, presented by Game on Wisconsin. Well, Wayne, I think this is one that Vince Lombardi and George Hallis would be proud of. You could have given me a touchdown. That is hard to overturn, you know what I mean? I understand that. was that. a good effort, though, wasn't it? It's pretty good effort.